0: Hi, and welcome once again to Alderpod. This is Chapter 12 of The Alder's Gate Dark Dreams, Darling. Princess! She must have fallen asleep again, and in the middle of proceedings? It could have only been a second, but the dream, it was so real. Sylvan was home, and he came to her room, talking of strange things, his eyes dancing like fire, and someone had discovered her sketches. She had been just about to scream in the dream when, "'Are you quite all right?' It was Ferris, who was sitting in the chair next to her, hissing. He was adjacent to where the Queen was at the head of the table. Everyone's attention was now on Ellen, and she felt the blood in her cheeks rise. "'Do you need to step out a moment, Princess?' "'No, no. I'm quite fine,' Ellen managed, folding her hands together in as prim a manner as she could, she cleared her throat and nodded toward the Queen. Pardon the interruption. Malis pursed her lips, the red lipstick she'd put on previously starting to bleed out into the lines around her mouth. She was far from amused, and had she not been wearing three coats of powder, Ellen imagined she'd be scarlet in the shops, too. I was saying, the Queen continued, the airship with the girls from the territories is set to arrive tomorrow morning, courtesy of the Oak. However— as you all know, there was something of a mishap in some of the more remote towns, and from what we can tell, it was mostly on account of the Order of the Asp. Ferris grunted. Ellen knew well enough his opinion of the Asp, and it was shared by most of the members at court. He had been waiting for years to figure out a way to dispose of the Border Knights and assign their duties to a more suitable order, like his beloved Oaks Guard. The dream was still flitting around Ellen's mind as she tried to concentrate on the matter at hand. Melis always insisted that she attend the meetings, especially considering that Kethra Bav, the High Counselor, was away on diplomatic mission to Sodor and consulting with King Alizar. Ellen envied the woman, not for the least of which was the simple fact that she was, in fact, far, far away from Malis. "'There are some reports that the conflict was instigated by the Oak, however,' said Lord Emberly Page, an islander who'd been at court for the last year since the passing of his father. He was fairly handsome, but a bit aloof for Ellen's liking." He'd been considered for marriage, but measured not quite as impressive as Lord Lord Darlington, her own Richard. Richard, her husband, was seated to the Queen's left, and he rolled his eyes immediately, dismissing Lord Emberley Page's comment with a wave of his hand. He wasn't ugly. At least there was that, Ellen thought. But that was no consolation for the fact that, try as she might, she did not love him. The man was a mystery to her, too hard and too distant. At the beginning of their courtship she had been— mesmerized by his chivalric ways. But once their vows had been exchanged, that quickly faded. And now? Ellen wasn't even sure she could count Richard among her friends. He was secretive, quiet, demanding. She wished Sylvan were at court again, but he was stationed far, far away from her, as far away as the Queen would have it. Bastards and princesses just couldn't be friends." Lord Darlington was a tall man with wheat-blonde hair and a slightly olive complexion. His face was oval, his pale hair parted perfectly in the middle, and a long mustache covered his top lip. He looked like an Ardesian, though, through and through, handsome and sharp-featured, a complete contrast to her fair skin and black, curling hair. Ellen wasn't sure what the Queen had meant by compliment, but she surmised it had something to do with making, and further, conceiving and bringing a child to term. "'especially a girl.' "'You're always ready to blame the oak,' said Richard, "'shaking his finger at Lord P- Emberley Page. "'It's because it's run by that wretch Gowan of Fenley. "'Well, I'll tell you, I've been among them, "'and they're nothing but rabble and refuse, "'the worst of the worst, no better than bandits.' "'Lord Darlington, calm yourself,' the Queen said evenly. "'Richard snapped his mouth shut and nodded complacently. "'Yes, Majesty.' "'Regardless,' the Queen continued, "'the oak has failed in one way.' and that must be attended to. They failed to correctly relay the information regarding the attainment of the elder daughters, because clearly some of the townspeople simply didn't understand. Whether this was a failure of the oak or of the Alderman, I am not certain. But the oak are diplomats, or they should be. I will be calling Sir Jasper and Sir Ander here as soon as they arrive to answer to the court. I do not tolerate knights falling short of their job descriptions, especially when a loss of life is involved. "'And what of the towns?' asked Ellen, finally concentrating on the conversation. "'What?' asked the Queen. "'What on earth do you mean?' "'Well, Lord George said that there were around three hundred people slain in the exchange between the oak and the asp. Now, if I remember correctly, Barnet has a population of eighty or so, and Vell somewhere near four hundred. That would mean there are survivors somewhere, wouldn't it?' Ellen asked. "'Survivors who currently—' Bearing their dead, shouldn't we send supplies to them? Perhaps some money, and the aldermen could be alerted. I'd expect. Maylis nodded curtly. Well, yes, of course. We will inform the aldermen of those towns. Vernon, will you check on those names? And we'll see if we can get shipment down to the towns, and perhaps a crew to take an official tally of deaths in the matter. This Ellen knew was more to placate her than anything. "'Richard was already going on again about the Order of the Oak. "'But what about the matter at hand? "'The Order of the Asp has demonstrated flagrant disregard for the Queen's orders. "'They are beholden to you, Majesty!' "'Yes,' Melis said. "'And Ellen thought she caught a hint of weariness in her aunt's tone, "'a ragged whisper at the end of the word. Melis did not let her guard down, however, and simply continued on. "'And it has left me with one choice, uncomfortable as it may be. "'The Order of the Asp.' "'though once a shining gem of knighthood, must be brought to justice. "'It is one step too far. "'I am issuing warrants for the arrest of any and all of the Order of the Asp "'to be brought to Hartley Castle and tried in a court of law.' "'Astonished whispers and some cries of dissent followed, "'and Ellen felt her heart sink. she had always had a rather romanticised idea of the Asp. "'That much was true. "'The roguish border-knights in her mind were more the product of song than experience.' Sylvan had told her that much, but dissolving the order. To Ellen's knowledge, the dissolution of an order had happened only once, that time being the Order of the Rose, after the attempted assassination of Queen Rihanna some eight decades past. But they had soon been restored after the intervention from the High Counselor at the time, insisting that such a rash act was a contradiction to the ideals that had built the monarchy to begin with. Each order, as different as it was, served its own purpose. And if one fell, so would they all. "'As those of you in the military council know, I have also recalled the bulk of the Rose,' said the Queen, "'knocking the metal ball on the table a few times to get the court's attention. "'They are set to arrive this evening. "'With the arrival of the daughters and the recent threat in the South, "'I want maximum protection for my family and for myself. "'All Rose Guard are to report to me. "'Dispatches have already been sent out.' "'All the Order of the Rose?' "'Why, that meant Sylvan would be coming home.' "'and Ellen hadn't seen him in three years. "'She felt the hairs on her arm rise. "'She had dreamed it. "'There were a few more matters up for debate, "'but Ellen was too excited now, "'contemplating seeing Sylvan again, "'that she did not pay attention for much. "'In the end, they were dismissed, "'and she let Richard escort her back to their suite. "'On the way, she couldn't help but glance at the walls "'and remember walking here with Sylvan. "'What was that?' Richard asked. "'They were at the door of their suite.' He was staring at Ellen, his brows knit over his eyes. "'Pardon? You said something.' "'I did?' Ellen asked. She hadn't remembered saying anything. But that was happening a lot lately. "'I—I I suppose I was just thinking of something amusing,' she said. "'And what was that?' There were two roseguard outside their door. A young fellow named Sir Cull and an older knight whom Ellen had practically grown up seeing guard her door, named Sir Avery. They both nodded to the couple as they passed them. "'Just—well, I think Ferris had a bit of food on his lapel,' lied Ellen. "'And it struck me as amusing. It's childish, I know.' "'Quite,' said Richard, opening the door for Ellen and ushering her into the foyer. In spite of the fact, she had to share her living space with Richard. Thankfully, the Queen had arranged separate bedrooms for the couple, as was the current fashion. She still loved walking in. The wood floors were a thin herringbone design— running the width and breadth of the room in varying shades of brown, gold, and black. The walls were hung with flowered tapestries, favorite works of art, and occasionally family heirlooms, including Ellen's father's suit of armor. The foyer opened up into the parlor, and then a sitting-room. The bedrooms extended on each side. The north-room for Ellen, and the southern-room for Richard. But hers had a marvelous view of the sea. "'You really might want to consider honing that sense of humor of yours, you know. If you plan to become queen—' "'You need to learn to guard your emotions better. You're like an open book, Elle,' said Richard. She hated how he called him Elle. Eleonora was too long, granted, but Ellen was just as fine a nickname. "'I can't help but feel the way I feel,' said Ellen, pulling off her gloves. Her maid, Nella, helped her out of her shrug and put her robe about her shoulders. Davenport, Richard's butler, had already set out an afternoon snack, but just the smell of it turned Ellen's stomach. She had no appetite for the rich, garlicky foods for Richard so adored, and was waiting for her tea. I wasn't aware I was being judged so. By my husband, nonetheless. Richard went to the table and waited for Davenport to pour him a cup of tea before turning to Ellen again. Well, I'm also a member of the court, and I'm only advising you. I'm not the only one who takes your demeanour these days to be a little disconcerting. Disconcerting? Ellen asked, shooing Nella away. What in hells does that mean? "'Unsettling,' Richard defined. "'I know what the word means,' said Ellen. "'What I mean is—well, how is it that you were all speaking about me behind my back?' Richard whispered to Davenport, and the butler excused himself. Lord Darlington smoothed his moustache with his thumb and forefinger, his lips puckered slightly as if it helped him to think. Ellen hated that expression. It made him look like a mole, she thought. It was high time for her vialc. You practically fell asleep in the middle of the Queen's briefing today," day El, said Richard, calmly, taking a sip of his tea. He dabbed his mouth with his kerchief. You realize that if any one of us had done such a thing, we'd likely have been tossed out on our asses. But you are the Princess. We must remember that. And therefore, your afforded luxuries, the rest of us, are not. Why are you doing this? Ellen asked her va- voice barely a whisper because you need to know l you need to understand you are being watched measured i know that i've been watched every moment of my waking life she had started crying but she couldn't remember when that had happened perhaps you should see the physics no cried helen i've already seen the physic i, I don't want to see you but richard was quick he had her in his arms before she could make her get away She had been planning a swift exit to her bedroom. It was only twelve steps. She could always lock him out of it. His hands were like vices around her wrists, though, his breath hot in her ear. She squirmed, but he pulled her closer. You will listen to me, Richard said, shaking her. Straining, Ellen tried to twist out of his grasp, but he only squeezed harder. I am your husband. You spineless cur, she cried, kicking him in the shin, hard. She was wearing pointed-toe boots, the current rage in fashion circles, and the impact was surprising, even to Richard, for he lessened his grip and then slapped Ellen so she stumbled back and fell to the floor. "'Fine. You have it your way, you brat,' said Richard, rubbing his shin ruefully. "'Go away to your little room. Go on, then. Sing your pretty little songs and draw your silly little pictures. When you decide to start acting like a woman, I'll be waiting.' Ellen stumbled to her room and slammed the door shut with her as much force as she could. She heard the windows shudder with a change of pressure. Finding it hard to breathe, she loosened her corset as best she could without Nella's help and went to sit at her writing desk. She would find her designs and pore over them for a few minutes. That would clear her head. So what if they had mocked her? So what if her designs were strange and unusual? They were the only things these days that made her happy. Wiping her nose in the back of her hand, "'decidedly unladylike and deliberate. "'Ellen took the key from around her wrist "'and unlocked the hidden drawer in her desk. "'The metal was cold in her hand, "'and she heard the gears behind the mechanism turn and click, "'then give way. "'But when she put her hand in to retrieve her blueprints, "'she stopped in shock. "'They were gone. "'Frantically she felt around the cubby, up and down, "'and then pulled out a sheaf of paper folded in two. "'Her heart was racing, "'and she opened the note with trembling fingers.' Taken, it read, for safe keeping. There was no signature, no mark, not even a seal. Someone had broken into her room and taken away the only thing she had to herself, the only secret she'd kept. And not for the last time. Ellen pondered the drop from her window to the sea. Later, Ellen sat quietly in her parlor, watching the sunlight shift from pale yellow to buttercream, from dandelion to saffron. She lifted her hand up to the light, flexing her long fingers, watching the play of light between the delicate skin, so translucent that by her palm, where the slight webbing was, she could see her veins straight through. She wondered idly how different the veins were from one person to another. Were they as unique as spiderwebs? She thought they might be. It was getting late, and Nella hadn't been by with her evening snack. She was hungry, but distantly so. If she thought about it, the pangs of hunger were there, but it was all so easy to think of other things. She was alone, and she curled up into the chair a little more, pulling the blanket more taut around her shoulders. It had been too busy for Ellen's liking what with the Ardesian diplomats arriving and the issues in the territories keeping most of Auntie Malus's attentions. She'd lost track of all the dignitaries' names, never a strong point for her, and disagreed with the Queen on nearly every course of action she'd implemented in the territories. Disbanding at the order of the Asp? It seemed unthinkable. But it didn't matter if Ellen disagreed, because at the moment, at least, she had no sway over the Queen's decisions whatsoever. In spite of her nearly thirty years of age, she had yet to have a child, and therefore the queen believed her to be entirely untested, unintelligent, and more or less unfit to weigh in conversation. To get out of it, Ellen had feigned painful courses. It was an excuse even the queen would not dispute. For all her life, Ellen's courses had run her irregularly, and so during them she was left to the quiet, left to herself, since the physic believed that a lack of stress during the courses would lead to a more fertile womb. And with the physic, thinking her ill, came Vyalk, from the distilled petals of the viaclean lily. This miraculous medicine both took pain away and set one in a rather delightfully drowsy state. Oh, it was true that Ellen had access to vialk most of the time, should she need it, but she always had to go through less reliable methods. And Leith, the physic, always had the best in the way of vialk Clear, sweet, and lightly perfumed, unlike the darker stuff she managed from a midwife's apprentice. Putting her hand down, Ellen sighed, and drew her hands down the soft upholstery, reveling in the weft and grain of the material, tracing her fingers along the curved relief of the design, the silk under, soft under her fingers. It was a sensual material, she thought dimly, the sort she'd want to just slide down next to. There was a knock on the door, and Ellen startled. lady, Princess!' It was Sir Cull. "'The Lord Chamberlain is here!' From the open doorway she heard his voice, scathing, upset. The queen requests your presence, princess, muttered the Lord Chamberlain. She wanted to argue and take another mouthful of vialc, but there was not time. Maylis was in her receiving chamber, draped across her chaise longue, her maids skittering around her like frightened birds. From what Ellen could see, the girls were trying to make her comfortable, but she was refusing all attempts at it. When Melis was upset, no amount of fretting could bring her out of it. "'Majesty, Princess Eleonora,' said Ferris as she entered, wheezing. "'Leave us, Ferris,' said Malis. She snapped at the maze. "'You as well. Leave us!' Ellen noticed as she approached the Queen that though her makeup had been recently reapplied, her eyes were puffy and red-rimmed. "'And make sure you find Sylvan as soon as possible!' Malis barked at Ferris. The old goat shuddered at the bellow, and then shut the door behind him, bobbing his head. "'Whatever is the matter?' asked Ellen, bringing her hands together as she shook her, took her seat. It was once a familiar place, this. When Ellen was much younger, she had spent hours in this very parlor, listening to her aunt's lectures on rule and reign. But it had been at least a decade since. "'They've taken her,' the Queen said, covering her mouth with a blue damask handkerchief. "'Who?' asked Ellen, as prick prickles of chicken flesh rose across her skin. Cathra. They've taken Cathra. Cathra Bav was the High Counselor, the highest position in the realm, second only to the Queen herself. Cathra had been, at least until a few years ago, Malus's lover, confidant, and closest companion. Ellen knew that the Queen had sent her on a long diplomatic mission to Sodorin after a particularly heated argument a few months back. Maelis may have loved Cathra a great deal, but even Ellen knew she was perversely inconstant between the sheets. Ellen's head was pounding by now, likely a result from missing a dose of Vialk. She pressed her hand to her forehead. Had the Queen just said something about Sylvan? Who, who's taken Her Majesty? asked Ellen softly. The Queen glared. Who do you think? The bloody barbarians of the south, of course. It had been many years since the Queen had unleashed sheer ire at Ellen, and she was momentarily thankful for the quiet and retreat her marriage to Richard had allowed her. There had been that, at least. She had not been happy, but she had been free from Malus's meddling and insults. Apologies, Majesty, Ellen said, taking a seat on one of the yellow satin chairs. She was still in her nightgown, and her hair was down. She could have slept another few hours, truth be told, and would certainly have preferred a bit more vial. Not much, just enough to keep her calm. Her nerves were already on their way to being frayed at the moment. "'Bring me my fan,' snapped the Queen, just as Ellen had sat down. "'It's by the coiffeur. As Ellen rose to go, she heard the door to the Queen's chamber open again, and more voices, lower. She felt a shiver, and the pressure in the room changed, and then she turned over her shoulder, half forgetting where she was going, because there stood Sylvain Deloire, when he had left, he had been twenty-six, a ten-year veteran of the Rose Guard and one of the most celebrated knights in all the kingdom. He was also her fastest friend. Women marveled at the colour of his hair, like spun gold, they said, and the clear blue of his eyes. His features were a combination of his father's lionine eyes and hairline, and the softer, underclass nose and mouth of his mother, Leanne Loire. Ellen had known Leanne, one of the kitchen-maids, when she was young. Sylvan was not as tall as Lord Luke as his father had been, but stood just around the same height as Ellen. He had a powerful presence about him, though, especially with his broad shoulders and compact frame. He had been at his prime when he left, but now he was leaner. There were dark circles under his eyes, the lines around his mouth that Ellen didn't think had anything to do with a smile. He was thinner, both from a loss of fat and muscle, but he was still beautiful to her, still able to command her gaze from across the room, as if by magnetic impulse. "'Nephew!' Maylis said, rising, going to him. He took her in his arms and looked straight at Ellen, his mouth opened slightly as if to speak, but he did not. The queen sobbed as her nephew, baffled, held her. Ellen watched them, perplexed. She had never, to her knowledge, seen Maylis cry. But she could not take her eyes off of Sylvan, the familiarity of his face, the lines she knew so well. To save bursting into tears of joy of seeing him, and the regret of missing him for so long, she walked to the coiffure and found the ivory and ostrich plume fan, stared at it a moment before turning back to her aunt and cousin. By the time she had gathered herself, Sylvan had helped Maelis back into her seat, and she was explaining him the situation. "'I'm becoming an old woman,' said the Queen." "'snatching the fan from Ellen as she approached "'and then fanning herself fretfully. "'I fear I have made decisions with which I cannot live. "'Distance, people, I cannot live without. "'She paused, blinking up at Ellen. "'By the gods, I expect you two haven't seen one another yet. "'No, Majesty,' Sylvan said, seating himself. "'One of the buttons at the top of his uniform had unfastened, "'and he went to work securing it again before looking up once more. "'I've been indisposed since my return, as you know.' With all the trouble in the Order of the Rose, there's been much to deal with in terms of managing the knights. Ellen hated her quiet nature. Even now, before Sylvan, she couldn't even find a word to say. She simply nodded, and then smiled, what she felt like must have been a ghastly grin. Her hair was down and curling everywhere. She had no makeup. She was coming off of her last dose of Vyalk. Though Sylvan had weathered in three years, years he must undoubtedly look better than her. There will be time, I hope— for the queen paused to fan herself a little more ellen thought she noticed the feathers shaking a little more than could be attributed to the breeze no no i'm doing this wrong Melis took a deep breath snapping shut the fan she held it like a baton her white hands gripping it hard i must confess i acted hastily told you both she said her red lips working hard to pronounce every bit of the apology as if the admission of wrongdoing somehow pained her Three years is a long time to suffer on account of the sin of your youth. "'And I—I should know better now, old as I am, "'that in spite of all my plans and strategies, "'there are some issues I cannot have power over.' The pit of Ellen's stomach swam. She could not look at Sylvan. "'You loved each other. "'I knew it from the youngest of ages, "'and I knew there would be a risk "'allowing Sylvan such close assignment here,' she said, "'almost hoarse.' Ellen could not tell if it was emotion, or if the Queen was simply tired. But I chose to ignore it. I chose to rely on Ellen's level head to guide her to make the right choices. But, as I was in my youth, I could not make my heart do as I willed it. Queen Melis had borne six children with her husband, Lord Edgar Vizina, before his death at the ripe age of seventy. They had been nearly thirty years apart in age. Ten years before his death, Catherine Baff arrived at court. Vibrant, beautiful, intelligent. She changed me, Melis at once said to Ellen when she was about sixteen. Sylvan was staring at the Queen, quiet. The Queen continued. As if we didn't have enough to concern us. The Asp rebelling in the territories, the Ardesians pressuring in the east, the tribes assaulting villages in the north, and other Sodoran. What have they done precisely? asked Sylvan. What do you think they've done? the Queen said. "'They've taken Cathra, for ransom. Two weeks ago, I just received the letter. "'Damn, but their courier was slow. "'I am frightened out of my mind on this, "'and feel this is, in some way, "'retribution for the way I have treated the two of you.' "'You have always done what you felt was best,' "'Sylvan said, looking intently at Malus. "'Ellen had always been a little jealous of their relationship. "'For Malus, she no doubt found a kindred spirit in Sylvan, "'what with his cunning and his personality.' He was the sort of son she'd never had. Maylis even smiled a little, reaching out to take Sylvan's hand. As if he'd, she'd heard Ellen's thoughts, she said, My sons were such disappointments to me. All their father, and no landly in the middle, no sign of the great Kareem the First, no strength all vice in you. In you both. I put so many hopes and dreams. She rose from her seat, dismissing Sylvan as he went to stand to help her up. She spoke softly now, her voice losing some of its characteristic acid tone. "'I cannot turn a bastard into a true son, but I can repair a bit of what I have done. You are both adults, inasmuch as as you can be, and seeing your unhappiness these years has bruised me.' The Queen turned to address Ellen. "'Sylvan is welcome at court, and as a member of the family, as much as he was before. I expect, as a married woman— you will act accordingly. I was all Ellen managed, but Sylvan will not be here long. Ellen, you and I have work to do here with the newest arrivals from the rest of the continent and Isles, the girls I spoke to you of, and I cannot spare you elsewhere, nor can I spare many of my rose guard. But, Sylvan, I will ask that you travel south to Sodrum, to meet up with Sir Corbin's asp retinue. I thought you disbanded them, asked Sylvan. Millers frowned. "'I did not send specific orders to Sir Corbyn's retinue. "'I have only called for the arrest and custody of Din, Gawain, and Renman, "'and any aiding and abetting them. "'But Corbyn has always been a good contact, and he patrols the borders. "'If anyone will help you find her, it is him.' "'I see,' replied Sylvan. "'You will be dispatched in three days, "'with ten knights of your choosing from the Order of the Rose, "'and three dozen mounted soldiers,' he said quickly. "'Of course, Majesty. "'And Ellen—' I need you first thing tomorrow in the first group of girls' arrival at the court. The last thing we want is another debacle, and clearly the only people I can trust are those closest to me. Ellen stared at the Queen, then nodding, replying as Sylvan had. Now, Sylvan, escort the Princess back to her chambers before her husband starts asking questions, won't you? They walked side by side in silence, Ellen clasping her hands in front of her, her head down, her eyes slightly unfocused. Without the vialc she was beginning to feel a little achy, and especially cold, though most of the long wing between her chambers and the Queen's was heated. It was late, and Ellen had noticed past dinner time, after passing one of the many clocks in the Queen's personal collection. "'It really would have been lovely to know you were coming to court,' she said, at last. "'I just arrived, Ellen.' Sylvan said, his brows lowering over his eyes, almost menacingly. "'I haven't had a chance to come see you, I'm sorry. But things being how they were up until a few moments ago, it's been difficult, to say the least.' A strange, high-pitched whining began in Ellen's ears, indicative of an approaching panic attack. Why hadn't she stopped for Vyok before she left? She clearly needed it. She couldn't deal with the stress of Sylvan now. Not now. God, it's not now.' Pressing up against the side of the wall, she closed her eyes and took a few deep breaths. "'Ellen?' asked Sylvan. "'I thought—I thought when I saw you in Auntie Madis's room, you looked at me. I don't know what I thought.' Sylvan clenched his jaw, narrowing his eyes at Ellen, tilting his head appraisingly, almost like a raven, roosting on the turrets Ellen knew so well from the view from her room. "'You're not making much sense, Elle.' I don't seem to make sense to anyone other than me, she said, weary. How was it that whenever she actually had something to say, no one understood it? I was awoken from sleep. I'm tired. I should go to sleep. Pardon the interruption, Sylvan said, turning back around. The hallway was deserted at the moment, but for the two of them. Ellen felt her heartbeat accelerate, watching Sylvan. The memory of their coupling had faded with the years, but there were still details she remembered all too easily. The feel of his lips on her skin, the way he had touched her so delicately, so knowingly, the pain, the sweetness of it. She had not thought about it in a very long while, but just the sight of him, the faint musk of his smell, sent her thoughts and memories into a frenzy. "'I suppose it was rather sod-headed of me to think you would be happy to see me again,' he said, shaking his head. In the light, she thought she caught a few hints of grey by his temple. He was hardly into his thirtieth year.' She wanted to tell him that she had cried for three straight days after he would left, that she'd waited then for a year, hoping that the Queen had simply overstepped her bounds and would call him back from the decision. She wanted to tell him that at first she wouldn't let Richard touch her, and every time he did she would panic, faint, go into hysterics. Ellen desperately wanted to share with Sylvan what the last three years had been like for her, forced into bed with a man whom she hated, who hit her, who shouted at her, while she continued to drink more and more vialk just to block it out, to tune it out, to search somewhere else. She wanted to tell him about her visions, about her dreams, so real that she confused them with waking life, that she feared she was going mad. But she could not. She could only watch him, mesmerized by the color of his eyes, the closeness of him, paralyzed by her wanting, unable to express it. Eleonora? Sylvan, I'm sorry, she said. In fact, the apologizing, he said. I've been gone a while, you recall? I've been stationed here at the yon all across the continent and Isles, doing the Queen's bidding at a moment's notice, you know, on account and of an incident that, if you recall, involved you and— Of course, she said, tightening her smile. I know. I know that, Sylvan. He was frowning again, his eyes flicking back and forth across her face, making her uncomfortable. You don't look well. I'm— at a bit of a loss, she replied softly, in regards to what exactly Sylvan asked everything she said, willing that she could express the fullness of what she meant to him. You must realize that, in spite of all the difficulties of our parting, I, I am none the less rather different, clearly, and uh, what's that supposed to mean, exactly what it means. Let us continue toward your apartment. No, no, said Ellen grasping the railing with her hands, shaking her head for greater effect. Perhaps it was the lack of vialc in her system, but she quite suddenly did not want to do as she had been told, and was most certain that if she saw Richard right now, she'd likely stab her letter opener through his heart. I'd just like to stay right here. Sylvan drew his hand down his cheek, exasperated with her. Listen, Ellen, I'm not about to risk the freedom I've just been given to walk about my own home like a free knight, rather than a slave. I know. I know just give me a moment she sighed the knight sighed waited is that bad worse she said pressing her fingers to her eyes until she saw spots but in a few moments i'll have composed myself enough to walk back through the door and hopefully right into my own bedroom my own bed and fall fast asleep and tomorrow I can wake up and help the Queen with whatever it is she is my help with, because that's what I do, Sylvan. It's what I do every day. I'm sorry, he said. You have your duties. I have mine, she said. Whatever closeness had been there between them moments ago had dissipated. Now she felt a growing emptiness. No, I mean, for what happened, Sylvan said. For before. I couldn't write— "'I couldn't tell you what—I'm not sorry,' Ellen said. She paused and headed toward her door, then looked back over her shoulder. "'It'll get worse before it gets better.' AlderPod is written and produced by Natanya Barron. Thanks again for listening. Remember, you can always join in the conversation online at www.aldersgatecycle.com or aldersgatecycle.wordpress.com.